As we have said, we are continuing the talks. We had the birth of Christ, the baptism of Christ. We will be talking about the entry of Christ in our next session. But as we said last week, today, um, we will have a, quite a big chunk of these series of talks focused on artificial intelligence, which is the software, the hardware that comes with that, and the algorithms that come to support both of those things that work together. And today we have a guest, I mean, she's, she's quite a lot to remember, so I will ask Maria to introduce herself when it comes to her, you know, her professional life. Good evening, Maria. Good evening, Father. Thank you for inviting me. Let me speak louder. A little bit. So my name is Maria Accente. I work for PwC, which is a professional services company, and I work in artificial intelligence. The question is, what do I do about artificial intelligence? Well, I'm not uh, an engineer. I do not program. Uh, I do not design interfaces, but I work with my colleagues to do that, to help them understand how to best design this novel technology in a way that prevents possible harms. And tonight we're going to be discussing about what is artificial intelligence, why do we as Christians need to um, be aware of this technology and how to best navigate the complexity of, of a technology like artificial intelligence. And for the first time, I will not be talking much <laughs> because it's not a field that I understand, but it's definitely a field that I'm in because it's everywhere. So in, in, in layman's terms, because obviously, you know, it's very hard for us to understand maybe the average person, the lectionary of the educated like you would have about that. Mm -hmm. So how could you break it down for us then to explain what is then artificial intelligence? We see it in films, we see it in things and we seem to be scared of it. But what is actually artificial intelligence? That's great that we see it in film because it just feels like um, this desire of the humans to create, um, to become gods and create intelligence beings has always been there from ancient Greece um, all the way down to Middle Ages and more recent times when Hollywood managed to create those um, stories about robots, good or evil, that will support humans for better and for worse, to do tasks, to fall in love, to travel and explore horizons. But in order for us to, de to define artificial intelligence, we have to start understanding what intelligence is, first of all. And this is where science doesn't necessarily have a good definition, it's more like um, multiple definitions, understanding of intelligence. Sometimes um, is about um, intelligence is defined as the ability to solve tasks, uh, to make sense of complex environment, to make decisions, but sometimes that equate um, intelligence with uh, consciousness, with the soul, with the ability to feel, to interact. Therefore, not having a, a good understanding of what intelligence is makes it a little bit more difficult to actually create a definition for artificial intelligence, which is an intelligence that we as humans create. And in, in our company, when we started working in this field, we realized that outside the engineers, the rest of our colleagues will be intimidated by this term. So we went into trying to define but what exactly the artificial intelligence is. 
And um, we came up with a, probably a simplistic definition to say that in, in the end, no matter how complex or simple AI is, um, it's a set of technologies that will try to replicate um, characteristics of human intelligence. Uh, not it's in its entirety, because it's, in, human intelligence is terribly complex, and again, as a science, we, we are not even closer to understand what it is, but um, um, small abilities, like the ability to sense an environment, right? The ability to think, to reason about what's going on in one environment, the ability to learn based on previous experiences, uh, the ability to make decisions and act. You know, whenever faced with an action, we as humans will do something about achieving a certain goal. That's what machines will do. And by bringing different technologies together, you achieve bundles of intelligence. You find an algorithm that uh, uh, collecting data or um, using the data that's being collected starts to make sense of environment. That's what we have um, the possibility of um, autonomous car, cars that do not need a driver because there is a software in the, in the background that learns to recognize intersections, stops, pedestrians, uh, various conditions or adverse conditions of, of weather and like that will operate with a certain degree of autonomy as we do, right? So in order to understand or make sense of, of AI, it's, it's better to think of it on artifacts that try to replicate what we do. But it's at the, at the moment, it's really, really basic. It's nothing what you hear in the press, nothing what we've seen in the movies. And that's actually a narrative that has been created around AI that in many cases produces more fear than excitement. And that's why there is this, I think it's public attitude, that people are afraid of artificial intelligence. First, because they don't understand it and not understanding it, they think it's something um, close to what they see in movie. The reality is nothing compared to what it is in the movies. So, so it's development then would I be correct in thinking that originally it was man creating to make man's life easier yes. for tasks that he found mundane and yes. not waste his time on those things and yes. spend more time doing other things. So, um, but it seems that man now is scared. So what they scared of that, is it because intelligence is creating intelligence? I mean, not that it has maybe the, the mind of man, um, but why, the, why is man so scared of it if, if it's, it seems to be still in charge by us, in other words, waiting for instructions from us, whether it's especially copying our practices and they can mm -hmm. constantly change, you know, man, um, in an algorithm kind of format, which we would say in a religious point of view that the devil knows maybe in prediction that we've done this for a very long time. There's a sequence of things that lead us to accepting a temptation. Um, but it kind of, what that takes out of it though is the shock of man being able to change his mind. You know, it, there's a possibility to say today I will change. So why do we seem to be so scared then of this? Because it seems the way that it's publicized is if that 
machine is creating machine more intelligent than man um, that then would override man completely whether it is just Hollywood maybe it is just Hollywood and, and we have this fear but it seems that we've seen it in industry that man has lost his work his income because of what they have developed you know they've developed a machine that's taken over their income and, and now they have to but I don't so from you then with your Christian you know belief system it must be quite challenging you must be quite challenging to others around you in the same industry in the same thing where do you fit in where you know how could how do you support this from mm. your spiritual you know practices and beliefs a, a lot of very good questions um, and let's take one at a time first why do we afraid of ai first of all um we are afraid of because of its potential the mm. potential that was portrayed in those narratives that we heard in hollywood and more recent in some articles in the media um, have a um, based in in reality so estimating anticipating how things can pro progress in a hundred years in in um, 200 years, we might get to a point where we have such intelligent machine that we might find ourselves as human misplaced or out of place, right? Mm. So there is that potential. Uh, on a shorter uh, uh, time scale, more uh, in present and immediate dangers, there are already a set of harms that manifest itself with those um, intelligent algorithms that, that have the ability to learn from their external environment. And this is where um, most of my work focuses, is how can we identify those harms and prevent them in the way we design those algorithms. Um, for example, uh, one of the, the biggest harm that has already been manifested is that the algorithm can very easily discriminate a person, right? Uh, pick up from the data, even if the data is removed, let's say the religion or the gender or the age is removed from the data, the algorithm can make inferences based on the data and determine that you actually are a Christian female. And based on the way it's being programmed, it can discriminate you and prevent you to access services. And it had happened in the past when a certain company has produced a card that in the end um, gave higher credit limits to men than to women because women earn less than men because of various reasons. But they spend more than men. I would give the Looks card. Like. It's a good idea not to give a card to a woman. Yeah, but I know, but they, they spend more as a company. I'd give it to a woman. But I understand, okay, you're, you're talking about the algorithms of yes. discrimination. <laughs> Uh, because at the, at the core of artificial intelligence are, are those algorithms that are designed in a way they can learn. But it's not a sophisticated learning, in fact, it's a force brute. In fact, is um, a very large number of computations are being performed by the machine. So imagine that it's um, a, a, a volume of data and you have a algorithm that performs so many computations until it finds the right results. That not, it's not too intelligence, right? Because it uses so much computing power and so much data to get some result. 
it doesn't make it really intelligent. You might argue that our brain does the same and we are never aware of the amount of computations actually happen in our brain. But in the same time, through our existence and the way we are created and the way we, we learn, our brain learns to make shortcuts. And we know in certain cases that we don't have to perform the whole calculations because we've done it before and we've learned that thing. But Algorithms we're... cannot do that. Oh. They will perform those tasks over and over again. And that's why there's another misconception and another danger um, in the world of AI. People think that we are talking about machines capable to learn and to um, uh, behave like humans. But in the background, there is a lot of computations. There are farms of computers, right? There are those data centers that now exist in all parts of the world. Big companies like Amazon and Google, uh, Facebook, they will own those big factories of computers. And those computations happen in those, those factories. So I suppose the... And that's, that's what it makes, makes it dangerous, that people think that it's something that it's actually not, besides the fact that it can harm people right now by preventing people with certain backgrounds, with certain characteristics, to access services. And if we start using this technology to allocate benefits, to make prediction about if someone will offend again. It was the case in the US when an algorithm like this was used to predict offenders reoffending future crimes. And it was a, a total disaster. As you said, so it's easy to predict from past behavior, but what if you improve? What if you change your mind? Is your, are, we, are we slaves or past behavior? Because that's what happened at the moment with algorithms. They use historical data and make calculation based on historical data. So really the, the human, especially dare I say the Christian human, mm. um, is greater than all these data farms in a way, even though they might not be um, because they need their data rich. In other words, they're constantly, constantly asking more questions exactly. to make a decision, you know, and to make one that... Um, but what is the safety mechanism? I mean, how do they know if what they've made is so correct? Where, do, where is the filter for artificial intelligence to know if it's correct? For example, if it was used, um, like you said, maybe in, in policing, you know, or maybe the safety of, of driving, you know, like you said, autonomous vehicles, they still rely on data, they will still be feeding off something to yes. be able to yeah. do that thing. So how, what is the safety, where does the machine or where does this intelligence say there isn't an answer and I will just shut down and stop or it would just not do a shortcut, but then there is a risk factor of actually then just making mm -hmm. um, a random choice. Because you would say in this artificial data kind of algorithm, there shouldn't really be a mistake because it's an analysis of data, isn't it? So it's like maths, it's mathematics. Yes. In mathematics, you don't get a wrong answer, really. 
it, the formula is always to give you the right answer with whatever data mm. you've put into that formula. So the scary thing is for that, that kind of artificial intelligence or robotic intelligence is what is the safety cap? How, do we, how can we trust it, for example? This is the kind of maybe the point I'm trying to make. How do we trust it that it's really whatever that's, what it's making is, going, is correct to them? That's a very good question and it is exactly what my job um, is day to day. How can we oh, create okay. a safe, safe environment where we not only design those algorithms um, that are embedded in, in a bigger technology piece as it exists in our phones, in social media, in e-commerce website, because uh, those are the algorithms that power what we have in our pockets, right? Social media is what it is because they use machine learning, which is at the core of artificial intelligence, is a type of um, 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 uh, software that it's at the core of, of AI. So it's those algorithms are embedded everywhere. So those safety um, measures are not as simple as putting a hard stop or having um, a mechanism of supervising uh, those models. It's much more complex than that. You have to make sure that you have an ecosystem of trust. It's very much the same question around the safety in uh, air airlines, right? It's not just uh, you build an engine that's very safe to run and there's a minimal chance for that to break in the middle of a flight and, and, and fall uh, with, um, with um, hundreds of passenger on, passengers on board. It's the whole aviation industry that creates safety all over the place for the way you build an engine, but the way you build the body of the plane, um, the way you train the people who fly, the way you train the people they're maintaining on the ground. So similarly, the, those, those art, artifacts powered by artificial intelligence needs to have this safety system around them rather than just one or two that's either in the design or in the maintenance, because otherwise we're not going to make it work. And we are now in a process to understand, first of all, how to design those algorithms, how to make what assumption to make. In the case of, for example, the A-level results um, that we had two years ago here in UK, when an algorithm was um, ended up awarding grades to students and ended up penalizing students who came from poor backgrounds with a cert certain racial profile and they were penalized just because they belong to a certain group, not because of their performance. And the assumption made when this algorithm was built was were totally wrong. How can you assess the performance of a student based on someone else's performance 10 years ago? It's mad, but that's what has happened. And what we have learned from these uh, instances is that it's, it's first to create this ecosystem of, of safety that allow us to have safety measure in place in different parts, but also make sure that before we even start collecting the data, writing that algorithm, we understand very well the task we're trying to solve and always define that task really well, rather than jumping, as has happened in the past, oh, let's just collect some data, build an algorithm, oh, look, wow, this is great, what do we do with it? We just let, let it run. And then you have some, some engineers confessing, oh, I didn't build that YouTube algorithm to do this. Mm. Which makes it a little bit scary, and I say, are we getting things out of control? or we haven't done a good job really defining what we're trying to build. 
I suppose it's, it's not conspiracy theory, but there is always the benefit of people using things for a different way. Um, you know, when people design certain things, you know, as simple as a knife, for example, they don't expect people to be murdered by a knife. They probably used it to, they probably thought to be useful to cut things, to, yeah. you know, to be able to True. use it in that way. Um, artificial intelligence, when it came to the wisdom of Solomon, for example, two women, how does the artificial intelligence know without doing a DNA test, which is the mother? Um, Solomon seems to be quite clever in his algorithm rhythm two people one baby let's chop it up and give half to each one not realizing that maybe that is the loss of that life you know it's just probably saying they should be both happy because they've got half each that sounds fair um, but that wisdom in a human is a, can't be replicated really in the artificial side of things because really there was um, a wisdom there a compassion um, and a reaction that was expected that would have been too late for a machine to see the reaction of the mother that was not the natural mm -hmm. mother and would have just said, oh, that's a good idea, when the natural mother said, no, 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 of course, give it to her, it's fine, you know, it's, she's the mother, she's the mother. Um, the machine would have already chopped it up and I know there must be things in place, of course, that um, maybe temperature, maybe pulsing, that if you were a chef and you used an eye as a chopping thing, how would the AI know what's a sausage and what's your finger? I suppose it will probably, there is things you can put in place. But the way you've explained it actually, to me it's quite exciting now to see that actually it's not as intelligent as it makes out to be. No. And it's quite a little bit kind of, it's still there to serve man and to maybe make things easier. Because the way you explained it with the aeroplane makes so much sense actually. Me as a human going around checking everything, which they still do for some of the things, but if I had to go through all that cabling electronically and to make mm. sure that if that's, you know, that works and that works and that's connected and that's connected and that's connected, that probably would delay flights quite a lot. But if I've got a machine that can do that very quickly, but it's still my decision whether we can take off or not, um, I can understand now why it, you know, it can come into place and it can be a very positive tool um, to aid man in his daily activities. Is this when man wants to be lazy and asks them to replace their humanity, their, you know, the things that they will think that they don't want to make decisions for, which I would say is human complexes. You know, people would say, the machine, there was a series, a comedy series that they used to put things in and they said, oh, the computer said no, so we can blame the computer instead of the bank manager like we used to do years ago. And it seems like we're hiding behind this because we don't really we do, want to make do. the decisions. We do. Yeah. It's easy to blame something that's called artificial intelligence. Yeah. It's fuzzy, it's complex. It gives mm. you the feeling there is an entity you can blame other than assuming responsibility for your own action. And this has happened quite a lot, especially with big tech companies. Um, they, because of this lack of knowledge in the public domain of what AI is, they try to say, oh, it's the algorithm that did it. We didn't, we didn't really know. We, actually, we don't know what we have done. It's, I don't think it's true, necessary. I think we have to give it much more thought in designing this type of algorithm that it has been before. And there is a bit of sense of urgency to do this, is because we already have now 
um, those algorithms embedded in a lot of the, the, the things around us and we are not even aware. And maybe that's one of the reasons we need to be starting about, start understanding AI, even if it sounds intimidating, it, it's because mm. it's all around us. It's in our phone. Our phones use a lot of what we call artificial intelligence technology, from the voice assistance, navigation, social media, not even saying games, um, finding a, love, we, a life partner, trying life, to find dating websites are all powered by machine learning. So we need to be aware because the world around us is changing and we need to be grounded in the reality. And the work we have been doing, I've been doing with the UK government um, for a few years now was to um, create programs where we can talk about artificial intelligence outside the developer community, outside our community, and bring it to the, to, the, to the lay people, not only to demystify it, as we are doing today, but also to create a sense of inclusion, that we need people to participate, we need to bounce ideas on how do we want this AI to shape the world we live in. Because it's shaping the world we live in, even if we don't know it, if we're not aware, right? I wear a wearable and it tells me how well I sleep. Guess what? My whole life has changed because I go to bed at a certain time, I wake up at a certain time, I share with my friends, look how well I slept. And without realizing, technology is shaping my life. It's the same with children, you know? They, their perception about life it's not from books, not from parents, not from interacting with each other, not from school, but what they see in social media. And what they see in social media, God help us all. Because whatever those algorithms feed them. And those are real and present dangers that us as Christians and us as citizens need to be aware. But in those algorithms, it is us that feed them. So it's the children's curiosity, Maybe the adults not managing the control factors on that hardware, um, if there's anything that maybe has to be controlled. Because they can't, what we're saying, and so they are mixing. I mean, some, of, some intelligence, some things do pick up what you say and will send you adverts on what you have just discussed. You know, there is that um, reality. But... Um, it's because it's collecting a piece of data and it tries to classify that data um, and feed you similar, similar data that the one you have picked up. That's what it does. Yeah, it's annoying. When I Google something, then I've got another millions of things coming to my phone that I only asked one question. Especially when you're looking for a flight, then they start sending you holiday packages, discounts here, another flight company advertising their discounts. And all you did was, you know, try to get a... A cheap flight. Because the way algorithms are being designed is to recognize your preferences. Because by understanding preferences for a commercial entity, that means very good dollars, right? Pounds. Back in the days, there are billions spent on marketing. What is marketing? The science of taking, creating um, a product or a service and match it with people who actually have a need for those products and services. And there was like a shooting in the blind because mm. you were speaking with, with, with um, a group of people and you didn't really know who will be the buyer. But now, with technology, you, you know exactly that I'm going to buy those shoes because 
more likely I click on two, three ads and they will send me an offer for those shoes. But and that's the reason they were created like this, is because by knowing with precision what women, uh, uh, people's preferences are, you sell much better. And that's, that's the reality we actually don't talk about as much, is that when big, big tech companies that have been the ones behind this explosion of AI, they have done it with a commercial purpose. They were not thinking about, oh, I'm going to solve cancer. Oh, I'm going to, you know, discover a new galaxy. No, they were there to think, how can I make more money? So I have a bunch of data. I have some powerful computer and some brainiacs. I'm going to make them, you know, develop some models, crunch this data, and I'm going to make more money. It's simplistic, but that's the reality. And we need to be aware that that's where it started. But now we are in a position where we can stop and say, no, fine, we understand that. You have to make money. You know, you have, you know, um, evolved this technology quite a lot. But there is potential for this technology to do so much good in the world. It didn't help us find a cure for COVID. Let's make things clear for various reasons. But there are research institutes that, that are looking to solve and crack important problems, including finding cures for various diseases. They otherwise will take, you know, years and years and years and hundreds of millions to of solve. Human hours, of human hours. Human hours and human hours. So there's a lot of benefits on using those machines to crack vast amounts of data and find these sites that otherwise people will not find. Because they don't need to sleep, they don't yes, need to yes, rest in yes. this way, yeah. Because, um, but they still rely the same way, because I'm always kind of parallel with Christianity now, and it sounds very parallel, you know, the way that it's only successful really if the information we're putting in is true as well. If we're forced with what we're putting in, then we're going to live a false reaction, a false algorithm. It's going to give us a false way of living. The same way that if we're not truthful in confession, we live kind of a life that we think, well, hold on a minute, um, it seems to be going the wrong way. But it's the information we fed, either the spiritual father to get the advice or the algorithm to then be able to be given a life that will be able to give you this respite, this success, this balance that you have this support. Um, because, yes, it does. The only thing is, we didn't answer the question where your Christianity comes in your workplace. That's a very good question, and I think I was really excited when you invited me because I haven't reflected this much what does it mean for AI in Christianity? What does it mean for me to be a Christian in this whole ecosystem that develops technology? Um, the good part of it is that I'm in the middle of um, helping community understand the ethical side. So I'm there already. It's just understanding how my Christian faith is linked to my work in promoting and supporting development of good, responsible, mm. ethical AI. Um, at the moment, we, there weren't big hurdles um, because all, the, all, the, all the, uh, the work I've been doing was very much aligned with at, at core with Christian values, with the values of um, all different value systems aggregated, if you want, the good and the bad. Maybe in times when we start looking at finessing some approach in, in, in various contexts, that might potentially be a clash. At the moment, I'm delighted that um, I get the chance to be 
to work with my colleagues and sometimes I, I'm not I'm not a very popular person because I'm there to say no you can't do this no this is not moral no it's not not ethical we shouldn't do this or I'm gonna I'm gonna tell our boss and then he's gonna tell you do it um, but um, I think there's a is an increased desire for even for my uh, for more of my colleagues to understand uh, AI with these lenses rather than just the data and the code and really try to reflect and that's a very positive thing because a lot of the, 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 the technology that's been developed was without really considering what's at stake, what, what happens if we do this, who do we hurt, you know, mm. what's the damage we create and there is, there is now you know, a tendency, a growing tendency for, for those people who are at the midst of, of, of developing it to pause and reflect. And that, that's wonderful because it, it allows us to discuss, to collectively come and understand the implication of, of building this technology in various cases and understand who might be hurt. You know? I'm absolutely convinced that you know, big tech companies that developed Facebook and YouTube have never, never crossed their mind at the beginning that the children will be all over the platforms. Mm. And guess what? Now we are struggling to put the right controls in place to protect children from harmful con content. And that's where, where I, it's, um, my faith comes in place because it, 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 it's, it drives me to, to do the good thing even more beyond the job. Which is, a, which is good to hear when we are scared to be Christian in a professional environment when God has given us a talent because it sounds like you've given the industry a conscience. You know, they have to think at least. That think pattern might not be for what they are producing but might actually affect them in their whole life practice. It might actually change the way they think because I suppose if I was set a task to make a billion dollars for my company to be able to get 10 million pounds salary my concern is not how I do that, it's to achieve the one billion dollars and I would do something to create that. This subject we will carry on, obviously we would, we will break it up and I'm sure that you would be um, a regular guest with um, Andre as well, which is nice for the Romanian community because you're both Romanian. I'm glad that it wasn't artificial intelligence that invited you to here today because you wouldn't be here as a professional underpaid immigrant woman, um, but the church has given you respect and equal unconditional love of God to share your talent amongst us. Thank you, very, thank you Maria, for being honest, and I'm sure we will see you um, again. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.